So 30 of the Winning Six podcast, official podcast of BehindTheBookPass.com. I'm your host, Sites Editor-in-Chief, Adam McGee. And joining me this week, as usual, we've got Managing Editor, Ty Windish, and regular contributor, staff writer, Jordan Tresky. We're coming to you straight off the back of the book, snapping their three-game, four-game losing streak. Too many games. Too many games. That's we'll settle with too many games. Um, the books finally came home to Milwaukee, and they put a beat down on Ty Windish's beloved Detroit Pistons. Anything you'd like to say about that, Ty? After you derailed the podcast last week to proclaim that was it seven points they were going to win by because they had more more real basketball players. Nothing for Ty to say, okay. Oh, no, hey, I was doing a pause before I spoke. It was a long tonight. pause. I think I think the it listeners would agree, that was a long pause. That was I a... Think, I have a lot of thoughts to get together. It's been an eventful week for me. I said that... I didn't say they'd beat the Bucks because they have enough real basketball players. That's I exactly what the, you said, Ty. I said they'd make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference because they have enough real basketball players. Roll that tape I, back. We gotta roll that tape we back. We can roll that tape back. I'm absolutely sure that's what I said. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. No, I'm. We can roll it back. I'm down. Um, <laughs> I thought they'd beat the Bucks because the Bucks are the worst rebounding team in the NBA, and Andre Drummond's the best rebounder in the NBA. It didn't end up shaking out like that. Although Drummond did dominate that first quarter, and that's indisputable. He got in foul trouble. Aaron Baines is. I can't even describe Aaron Baines on this podcast because we got kids that listen to it. The bane of your existence right now. The Aaron Baines of my existence. Hold Thank on, you, we've got kids that listen to this? Probably. <laughs> I don't know. I really seems, don't know. Seems <laughs> unlikely. Seems unlikely. Those okay, kids have, fine. Those kids have less... one hell of an attention span if they yeah. listen to I'll, I'll be more blunt. Uh, we're contractually, <laughs> contractually obligated not to swear on the podcast. So I can't describe Aaron Baines on this podcast. And he's mm, no, nope. They, they. You know what? Look, hey, Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond played well. Uh, Stanley Johnson looked good. I still believe in this Pistons team. They're still five. So Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond played good. They did. And the Pistons didn't really have anything else. Sort of like what me and Jordan said last week. <clears throat> Ty has nothing to say to that. That silence, that was a definitive was that a, was that a, was silence. That a, I, didn't, man. I didn't know that was a question. That was just yeah, a statement you put no, in the there was, 
Well, okay, you're right. It was a statement because it was fun. That was, that was yeah, it was just a statement. Like tonight's, tonight that's... was a statement on the Pistons. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Post off. No, you're not joking. It's that is one also game. It's fun. one game. It's one game. It's an important game. Let's, <laughs> let's move on because Ty has got more clarification to do. Ty, you want to say something to the listeners? I do. Um, so we, we did our editorials, and I guess we're going to talk about those a little bit in, in a bit. I just want to clarify... Explain explain for us, in case people have missed the editorial. Oh, you're right. That was, that was bad sub-hosting on my part. I should have thought of that. Adam and I had a little duel about, about Brandon Knight, and the, the more specifically the Brandon Knight trade, where, where I thought it was a bad trade, and Adam does not think so. Just because I thought it was a bad trade, and because I really like Brandon Knight, and if you don't know, he's still my favorite player. I really enjoy Brandon Knight. I love what he brought to the team. I love his energy, his effort, all of it. He's a hard worker. That doesn't mean I dislike Michael Carter-Williams. People seem to think that I think Michael Carter-Williams is terrible. I, I, I hate Michael Carter-Williams. None of that's true. I like Michael Carter-Williams. I hope Michael Carter-Williams succeeds. My article is based on the fact that I think Brandon Knight has a higher ceiling and a higher floor. I, I don't think it's 100% positive he ends up being a better career player than Michael Carter-Williams. I don't think Michael Carter-Williams can't develop into a good basketball player. He certainly looked very good tonight. I just want to make sure that it's abundantly clear that just because I really like Brandon Knight doesn't mean I also do not like Michael Carter-Williams. I, I do. I enjoy his basketball oftentimes, just not all the time. And likewise, to the same token... Maybe not quite as strongly as Ty, um, but I have no ill feelings towards Brandon Knight at all. I think Brandon Knight is a good basketball player. I've the thing heard... about Brandon Knight is, even if you don't think that, you can't argue that he's a consummate professional. He's not a consummate professional. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you kind of have to respect him. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. I just wanted to get that in. Go on. You feel like he's not a consummate professional? So... No, I feel like he is. Yeah, you no, that's... Say... I I got I got a tweet today, in response to it that sort of thought I implied that he wasn't, and I didn't understand that at all because one I just don't know with either of these guys I don't know what there is to throw against them as as a knock against their character. No, absolutely. Like they I, both, I, they both work so hard. They're both really hard working. They keep their head down. They do their job. Like whether they're doing it well or they're doing it per- poorly, that's what they do. I mean, there's no. That's not up for debate. It's it's about skill, and for me more, and it's definitely it's what I focus about in my piece on my Carl Williams. It's about fits and it's about ideology because this was a big picture trade. It wasn't like plug and play. Let's go win a title, and that's it. Still, it gets treated like that by a lot of people. There's so many variables. I know, and it was definitely a big takeaway from me posting my piece today. Um, so many people are still like they would have picked, taken the pick I want to clarify just in case some people didn't see the tweets that I had back and forth with some with some of, of our readers and I know Ty mentioned this on Twitter but in regards to both articles we got some really great interaction um, it's nice because we know it's a sort of it's a bit like lighting the, the touch paper when you talk about Brandon Knight or you talk about that trade, but there was some really well-reasoned and sort of just logical debate about it, which was nice to see that that can happen. Um, but for 
the pick and where that comes into for me, I don't like to discuss the pick for a number of reasons. First and foremost, like with any pick, you never know what it's going to be. There's no guarantee you get it right. I always feel more comfortable in having a name and a face to a player and going, okay, this is what that person is. And the potential of what that can be is based on a grounding you have already. And it's not saying potentially that pick could be whoever. Like you're not, you're not talking about a high school player. You're not talking about a freshman in college. The other part of that, and this is something that people seem to disagree with me with quite a lot, but I honestly, I don't, I don't think this pick is going to convey very soon. It's definitely not going to convey this year for me. I mean. Of course, there's a chance, even if the Lakers are as bad as they are right now throughout the whole season, they could be the unlucky team to fall out of the lottery and end up, say, with the fourth overall pick, which in that case, the pick would convey. The odds are against that happening, though. They're going to be one of the three worst teams in the league, unless something dramatic happens elsewhere, I'm going to say. I don't think it's going to happen with them. So if that's the case, the chances are it's not going this year. Then next year, are they going to be that much better? I personally don't think so. I mean, it's top five protected next year. Yeah, it's top five. No, then it's top three. Top three. It's top three both years. No, is it? Okay. Top three both Jordan, years. Wait, I, I Jordan, honestly... Jordan, what do you got on this? Jordan usually knows these things. I have to look that up. I, I, thought, you'd, I, thought, you'd have it, I thought you'd have a gut feeling, Jordan. I would have said... Um, I thought it was top three, top, top five. five. It's it top, top three boat years. It was top five. Some are just gone. Okay. Um. Still top three. Like like I. Can the Lakers be the one of the three worst teams in the NBA and have the ball fall that way for them in the lottery the next two seasons? One hundred percent yes. One hundred. I'd I'd be betting that way rather than against it right now. So yeah, I could see that. And if that's the case, then. You'll look at a team that would have had four really high-caliber, four top ten picks in a row to begin with. I'm trying to think where Randall went. Was Randall about eight? Six. Six? Okay, well, four top six picks in that case. No, seven. I think it was seven. Seven. I think, I think you're right. I think it was seven. Was, that, was Smart six? Yes, that is right. Four, four top seven picks. Like... By the time that pick conveys, there's a real chance they could be good and the pick could end up being like a mid-round pick. And it, it's like... It's so far away. This is the thing. This is the thing for me. And this is the part that's the problem in it. It's easy for, for fans to look and say, oh, well, that pick's a nice asset to have. And this is the way the NBA has gone. The fans are smart enough to, to be able to talk in these terms. At the end of the day, though, there's a really important distinction to be made, and that's that these decisions are made by people who have actual jobs and have to succeed to keep their jobs. So for John Hammond, for example, who was undoubtedly under some pressure, must have been feeling it, whether it was real or not, the perception of it was there. If he had let Brandon Knight go, he's like, okay, we're not going to resign him, we're going with Middleton. But I'm not going to take anything back. I'm going to take a pick that's potentially three years from being conveyed. That doesn't look great for job security. Um, I, I said this earlier on Twitter. I was countered with, well, if that's the case, Jason Kidd had complete job security. 
if you think that Jason Kidd thinks he'll be in Milwaukee in three years, I don't know if you've got the right end of the stick because we've got to remember how Jason Kidd ended up in Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, if things go well, that's one way things could possibly go. If things go poorly, they could go another way. So I know that's not something that people like to think about or like to talk about, but it is what it is. I mean, the chances of the same coach being at any franchise three years later are quite slim. So I don't think either of the guys who would have been involved in that deal would necessarily have gone, okay, let's take the pick three years from now. As one thing fans now being able to say, that's a really valuable pick. Have the start to the season that the Bucks have just had and some of those performances. Having traded away triple-double Brandon Knight, the, the sort of performances that sparked this debate with us. And then you have people going, oh, all we got for is this pick that we mightn't get for years. I mean, own the future becomes own the distant future. And I think that's something the team can't afford to do with everything that was going on with the arena. Basically, all the aspects of what they're trying to build, the ownership weren't prepared for that. Um, that's, that's my take on the pick. Uh, the pick could end up being a great player. It's so deep in hypotheticals right now and you can't even tell what year it's going to come in. I Anyone else agree? have thoughts? Or I might have said oh, yeah, everything. Yeah. No, I sort of agree with that. Uh, I'm not too hung up on the pick. If I had to, to make a bet on it, I'd guess it's coming 2017 draft. Kobe Bryant right now, if you look at the numbers, is the worst starter in the NBA by a lot of by a few different metrics. He's up there at least easily. Without him, I think that team's going to be good enough to not be in the bottom three. Uh, so I think it'll probably be like a fifth or sixth pick in 2017. But even if you don't look at that, just the last thing I want to say on this, and after that I'll just let my editorial and Adam's editorial speak for themselves because they both – Adam's is excellent, mine's at least okay. Um, well, they're, they're, both, they're both excellent. We're great. We're good. Come we'll back. let Jordan. Jordan's Thank a neutral you. party. Jordan – Jordan told me today they were both good, so... Okay, good. I'm glad mine didn't suck. Um, no, the last <laughs> thing I want to say, the very last thing I want to say is it depends how deep you read things. My article, there was an obvious thesis that, yes, I don't think they should have traded Brandon Knight. If you didn't get that from that article, you should stop reading articles and just go back to school, like fourth grade. There was a more subtle thesis in there as well that I didn't agree with the asset valuation involved in that trade, where he, not looking at what Michael Carter-Williams is now, or his value now, but his value when it happened, considering Philadelphia's attitude toward these things, is, I feel like, who Brandon Knight is and how good he was that season, narrowly missing the All-Star game. They should have been able to get something maybe a little better then, or keep and re-sign him and trade him now for that five-year, $70 million deal, which, as I put in the piece, it would have been possible to afford at least for a little while. And then trade him this season. Like, let him, let him go 13, 10, 15, and then deal him and get, you know, two future first-round picks. And then you have more assets you can work with. And I think John Hammond with draft picks is a really good formula for Milwaukee. He's three drafts in a row, hit at least one home run outside of the top ten. Giannis Antetokounmpo at 15. Jabari was an uh, kind of obvious pick at two. But Johnny O'Brien in the second round is starting to look like a really good draft pick considering how decent he's been. And then Rashad Vaughn, I mean, obviously he's unproven, but the talent that he shows in small bursts is pretty fantastic. 
I think putting more draft picks in front of John Hammond could not hurt this team. My, I guess my only take on that is weak draft class or not. Michael Carter-Williams was the rookie of the year when the books got him. They could not have asked for more than a rookie of the year when Brandon Knight was an expiring deal. So someone was going to have to pay him. So you were you were buying a lottery ticket to pay Brandon Knight. Um, I mean, the Sixers weren't going to give up any more picks. Why would they? It wasn't in their interest. That deal was for them to get the pick that we've just spoken about. So. Well, yeah, but there's, there's 28 other teams. I mean, you could have shopped around a little bit. How bad does Utah need a point guard? I don't think you get better than the rookie of the year. How bad does Utah need a point guard? Well, what are the books getting back then? Two first-round picks. For Brandon Knight on an expiring deal. This would be this season. No. Never happening. This is No, I'm talking about like he's on a, a five-year deal now. He's well, saying we'd sign him and then wait or go into the season and trade him. Yeah. How, how, how could we do that? Don't trade for Vasquez and trade... No, but cap-wise, cap how could the Bucks do that? Don't trade for Vasquez and trade Mayo. That's $14.5 million. No. It'll be 8. Vasquez is 6.5 and Mayo Oh, yeah, no, yeah, I want to talk about, yeah. And that's also five more from not doing the trade in the first place. And that's... I, I don't like that at all. I mean, the, the team, through everything and the terrible start, they're going to be competitive this year, and they get that year of learning under their belt again, like they did last year. Like, every time you do that, you're a year further away from winning. And this is the thing with the pick for me, is if it was 2070, if it was 2018... It was 2018, the, the funny thing about this would be they would have traded for a pick that in the time before it would have conveyed, they would have signed Greg Monroe and potentially lost him. And you've no idea what the team looks like. You've no idea what the landscape of things is. By the time 2017, 2018 comes around, who knows? Giannis might want to be in Milwaukee anymore. Jabari might be. The Bucks might want them there. Their careers the could be... About- their careers could be over one way or another. I mean, even the one thing about that is, even if it's the 2018 pick, it doesn't mean you have to wait until 2018 to get value out of it. The 2017 no, Clippers tra- pick turned into Rivas Vasquez. <laughs> yeah, and we all know how people feel about that one. Um, well, it's an obvious example. I mean, if you if you need value faster, just trade the pick. I I just I still don't see. I don't see how to get two. Like I, I still don't think the Jazz give two first round picks. I don't think anyone gives two first round picks up for Brandon Knight. After the after that crazy week he had, and the Jazz literally they're they're a point guard away from being really good. I think that's obvious. GMs have learned from lessons of the past, like the way that the Nets reacted so crazily to things. I mean, it's more that just rather than specific instances of deals, it's people now know how flippant sort of win-now moves can really backfire. It's just like, for the Jazz, what does it... Like, this is the thing for me with Brandon Knight, and I guess I didn't even go there in the article because I don't feel it's that relevant, but I don't feel for any team 
you just go get Brandon Knight and pay him 14 million and you win the title. He's not that player for me. Like I, at the at the sort of money he's paid, obviously that that deal is going to get better as time goes on. But right now, I don't feel he's a player where you're paying that money and it makes a difference. So for the Jazz, who are a young team like the Bucks on the way up, it's the same sort of scenario. No more than the Bucks wanted to tie themselves into to Brandon Knight at that money. I don't know if the Jazz would, and they could really do with him uh, in terms of a basketball fit. I, I agree with that. But to tie themselves up that much with him. Hayward favors, and then like Hayward's contract's crazy, and then you're you're already sort of worrying, going, okay, we've got to get everything in order because Gobert's the guy we really have to pay. I don't know, Rodney Hudson. Well, there's there's lots of there's lots of weird angles to that. I just don't think they could get two picks, but who knows? I mean, this is why it's still interesting. Um, it's also part of the reason why I hate talking about it, but. It just it happens. It's inevitable. But there's so many hypotheticals for that trade and will be forever and a day. So we'll talk about it again. Who knows? Maybe this time next year we'll be on round two of <laughs> editorials on Knight or Michael Carter-Williams. Or maybe the next year we'll be able to throw in one. Jordan, you can do the one on whoever ends up being the Lakers pick. Uh, <laughs> but for the meantime... Let's move on and not look back for quite a long time. Um, Giannis had a 33-point game this week. Um, I feel this is the time to shout out our, our friend, former, former podcast contributor, Mike Gartland, because Mike was basically predicting Giannis' career games in every single game. Well, it finally happened, and it happened against LeBron. Um how much is to be read into that? I know there's been, as we talk in the past, there's definite evidence that Giannis does get get himself hyped up and sort of perform better against more high-profile opposition. Is that something that you think might have factored into the result in that case? Definitely. Uh, also worth noting that his previous career high went against Anthony Davis, so uh, that's... Some pretty good company. Um, <laughs> uh, he it definitely shows because I think even when he was a rookie, you know, he still no one really knows where he is. He's such a project player, and he he's going back and forth with Carmelo Anthony, who at the time, I mean, the Knicks were, I mean, they were kind of they were in a bad year that year, but you know, he's it's still Carmelo Anthony. It's, he is where he is, and um, you know, I think that really steps up. Even this past. Fall in Eurobasket against Spain. I mean, he had a great game. Like, it's not just with certain NBA players. It could be the the teams that he's going against. You know, just it's I don't know. It's definitely noticeable when he's kind of in the zone and he wants to prove a point. And then <laughs> uh, it could be noticeable like a game after, like in Indiana, he just he doesn't have the same. I don't know, kind of not not game face. To be, you know, kind of cliche, but it just there there is some games where he wakes up and then maybe against like LeBron or Carmelo, Anthony Davis or you know whatever. But it's still exciting to see that he knows it's a big game to step up for him. The spotlight's there. I'm gonna be a little bit of a negative Nelly here. Usually Adam has to do this. I'm gonna do it this time to give Adam a break from being this guy. Ooh, uh, not LeBron. Giannis still has a long way to go 
in both basketball maturity and person maturity. I think it really showed in the playoffs with the, the Mike Dunleavy deck. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was I was excited when that happened because he had just – I think that was like my highest moment for Michael Carter-Williams, that he took that punch and he didn't whine at all and he just went to the locker room. He had to get te- dental work. He never whined about that. Whoa, yeah, Tully, you've just, you've just done all the good work in, in backtracking on Michael Carter-Williams. Don't 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 get people get confused. Your highest moment was when he when he took the punch. Because he took it like a man. There are how many NBA players are there? Fifteen times thirty. There's probably like four hundred some NBA players. All of those four. Sorry, I stepped on I stepped on your statement. I was gonna make a dumb joke. Go go go. I wish you would have. Um. <laughs> All 400 of those, except for Michael Carter Williams, would have whined incessantly about that. He just like like he got punched in the face and there was no call. He just like jogged off the court like oh whatever. But but obviously Giannis then proceeded to tackle Mike Dunleavy like it was a football game. <laughs> and you know yeah, was it a great moment for the fans? Yeah, kinda. That game was kind of already over. That still doesn't mean you should ever do that if you're Giannis Antetokounmpo. There's the thing. That's what O.J. Mayo should have done. Like, you have players who are enforcers on every team. Kendrick Perkins, whatever team he's on, he does this. O.J. Mayo, OJ Mayo picked up two fouls in a row in tonight's game on purpose. He would just, like, push Reggie Jackson over, like, yeah, I'm going to get this foul now. I played 15 minutes a game. I can pick up fouls whenever I want. Giannis is a franchise player. He can't do that. He needs to learn to go, okay, nope, I have to rein myself in. I can't pick up four first-half fouls. I need to be smarter, both with decisions like passing and when to shoot, all that kind of stuff, and just thinking about things before he does them. Like, he didn't think before he decked Mike Dunleavy. Giannis is too important to be doing things like that. And I think the what you were talking about, Jordan, it's good that he gets up for the big games. He needs to get up for every game. He's 20 mm-hmm. years old. Like, I, I always commend LeBron for knowing when to coast. That's because coasting LeBron is still better than 95% of all players. LeBron can coast through a game against the 76ers, and they can win by 25. The Cavs can win by 25 because he's that good. Giannis is 20. He hasn't earned the right to coast. No one on this entire team has. I want to see these guys fight every night. I don't care if it's the 76ers. Like I said, I don't care if it's the Nets or the Cavs. I want to see them not literally but metaphorically trying to punch the other team in the mouth every single night. That's how you win basketball if you're a young team. They, they don't, haven't earned the right, and they're not good enough to coast yet. So I think that's something that really needs to be emphasized. I think that's why we keep seeing all these leads go in the blocks for the other team, because we're not step the, I shouldn't say we, the Bucks are not stepping on throats. They're, they're just, they're, you know, they're playing to stay in the game, and then they're not, because say the other we, team. Say it. All right. We're we're not stepping on throats. We're not we're playing to stay in games and just assume that in the fourth quarter you can pull it out. That's not how this works. That Boston game was a great example because Adam was messaging me during the game, and he goes, "Like this is really close and it's turning into a blowout." And if you remember, in like the third quarter, it wasn't. It was like a five point game. I was like, "I don't really see it." Like the Bucks are sort of hanging in, but they didn't have that much energy, and Boston just kept hitting. And we all know we talked about this every time we talk about Boston. They don't have star players. Their best player is Isaiah Thomas, who's good but not spectacular. But the under Brad Stevens, they all want to punch you in the mouth all the time when when they're on the court, on on the floor. Like they all fight super hard. I don't think the Bucks are lazy. I don't think they don't want to win. But 
I don't think that they fight hard enough. No, the they've, been, they've been quitting. It's as yeah. simple as they've been quitting. That's what they've done in so many games this season. And it's weird because I, I, I've i sat down, I've, I've thought about this, and I'm like trying to, you go through the roster, and I try to pinpoint guys who seem like quitters, and they're, I can't really find them. And yet, as a team, collectively, that's what they've been doing. They've just been packing up and going home. Like, I'd like to say after two quarters, the reality is it's generally been after one quarter. That's it. After, after eight minutes. That's They come the out. Game, they were top the five. They were top five. Let me pull up stats because this was something well, that I, I looked at earlier. Um, it's like the first six minutes, they're top five. The first quarter, they're top ten. And then they're like 28, 29, 29th or something in the next two quarters. And I think... We 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 kind of joked about okay everyone's looking forward to OJ Mayo like he's this great player, he may not be, but OJ Mayo is probably the best person on this team as far as never quitting and always fighting. Like OJ Mayo is is one of the most intense on this team. In 2015, you can't. OJ Mayo is great at that this year and last. 2015, year. 2015. Let's not okay. let's not go back the first year. Let's not go back the first year. No, the first year was terrible. <laughs> And we all derided him, and that he deserved that. Yeah. To his credit, and he deserves a lot of credit for this too, he got over mm-hmm. all that. He got over all the jokes. He got over being 20 pounds overweight. He got underweight. He got under in some aspects. <laughs> but he got over having a bad attitude, and he's one of the best attitude guys in this team. And it's kind of like the Rockets, where I don't know if that's – I'm more happy for OJ or more depressed about the rest of the team, that, that OJ is the guy. But he is, and he deserves credit for that. And he was back, and they've been better since he's been back. So here we go. Uh, I did a Q&A with the guys over at Piston Power ahead of the game, and this is one of the things that I'd, they had asked me. That of course, they said, Bucks have lost their last three games by an average of 27.5 points. What's happened in the last three games? And I put that down to the Bucks not holding it together, not being able to weather the storm. And as much as anything else, I guess, I didn't say, and what stands true for as well as, they just won't put their foot down on other teams' throats. It's like when the game is there for the taking, they just they just won't go and grab it. They just sort of coast along then and get complacent and the game goes away from them. Um, so before tonight's game, which this will obviously improve based on the performance that they put in against the Pistons, but the books ranked 6th in first quarter net rating. 29th in second quarter net rating, 25th in the third quarter, and last in the fourth quarter. I mean, that, that's... Can I post? No, go ahead, sorry. I mean, that's just... It's incredible that they were anywhere within sort of range of 500, being yeah. like one of the five worst teams in the league for three whole quarters. It shows just how good the first quarter has been. Um, but, I mean, that is like... It's a whole new level of being bad. And the one thing I take from that is, I had written, and obviously, once again, this is before today, the Pacers' first quarter was pretty close to perfect for me. The defense wasn't there in a lot of ways. There was just things that didn't work, but there was a lot of positives and things that I guess we hadn't seen from the books that they they put forward in that game. Still, and this is something I wrote about in, in terms of when I was talking about how the books should maybe play going forward, they were really successful going inside repeatedly in the first quarter. And what did they do in the second quarter? The bench came in. This worked tonight, but it won't every night. And what happened on Saturday's game was, 
OJ Mayo and Jared Bayless started shooting three-pointers. Everyone started settling, and that was it. The game was gone. Just like that. As simple as that. They were there at halftime, but based on how they played in the first quarter, they should have been much further ahead then and should have kicked on again in the second. The game was gone, though, because they started to settle, and that's that's the problem I have with the books. The question I just want to pose, and I haven't... Uh, we've asked a lot of Jason Kidd-related questions. This is one of them, but it's not one we've tackled yet. Is he not intense enough to to, vigor, to invigor a basketball team? Jason Kidd spends a lot of time sitting, and obviously there's different coaching styles, and that's fine. I think at least some of that you know drop-off has to fall on coaching. If not rotations, just just motivation, just... Like, the coach is who sets the tone for the whole team. There's, there's team leaders, but, I mean, it's, it comes down to coaching. I mean, that's the architect of your, your results on the floor. I know I know where this is going to end up. Just It's going to naturally end up there, so I'm going to go there now. But kid needs some more Coach Budnam. He needs it. He needs to go push over a referee. Yeah. I'd love to see him do that. I'd love to see kid get tossed out of a game. Has Kid gotten a technical since the time he did the water thing in Brooklyn? Oh, no, he got technicals last year. Did he? Oh, were they yeah. fun technicals or were they boring? I mean, yeah, I mean, there's technicals and there's technicals. Well, I, I mean, it's not fun whenever a coach gets... I mean, I don't think it's really... There's fun technicals, Jordan. What is fun, fun technicals? No, there's not fun technicals, but there's this is actually something that, that Mike Budenholzer is really, really good at is... I'm not. I'm not including. I'm not including this one as an example. Although I'm not even going to go there because I think the whole thing is overblown. It's ridiculous. But at the same time, he is really good at knowing when his team needs an extra jolt, and he will take a technical. It's worth it. I mean, it's it's just it's a way that's that's leading by example. It's like you, your players do that. It's not you don't want that to seep onto the court. You do it on their behalf, and that's part of what like. We like watching the books. When Mayo comes in and takes fouls, it's like, well, yeah, we don't want Yanis to go and do that or Jabari to go and do that. It's the same thing when a coach does it. You're taking a bit of the heat off your players, but you're also sort of setting a fire on them. You're saying, look, I'm not happy with the way it's going. I'm not happy with the way we're being treated, but let's do something about it. Like, let's just not just stand there and be passive. And that is something that Budenholzer does exceptionally well. Obviously... The current case is not a great example, but yeah. yeah, I mean, kid definitely, definitely could deal with a bit more emotion. But then on the other side of that, and this is like Sean Sweeney comes across as this absolutely terrifying man. And he's like five foot six. You'd never see that on the sideline or in timeouts even. I don't know. There's like that's because everybody else is sitting. It's just all, it's all very passive. It's passive coaching. But, no, but it's weird. It's funny, though, because, you know, you, I actually I was, I was, actually thought about this today because the Bucks assistant coaches post-halftime, I mean, they're they're talking, like, real game points. They actually show emotion. Like, obviously, there's been a lot of games this year where <laughs> the Bucks have already been blown out, so they have to be a little more like, what? <laughs> we have to actually play the game to actually – Try to turn around, but they have they show. I don't know if it's not the emotion, but they at least show that there needs to be some. They show too that. much emotion sometimes. I've been well, finding this. I found this particularly tonight. I, I was like, well, they, they get they get more bizarre the post halftime interviews with every game. 
<laughs> I feel like we're two or three games away from an assistant just breaking down in tears and like I, I don't know. <laughs> it's be surprising. They're really strange interviews. By the way, Greg Foster, Greg Foster, I just love his calm nature, just collected answers. He doesn't want another question Telly Hughes. He just wants one question. That's it. He's a one-question man. Just watch it the next time he gets interviewed. Just watch it. Adam, you can just take a quick bathroom break. I'm going to go baseball here for a second. There's an art to getting thrown out of a game in baseball. This isn't allowed on this podcast. I thought we discussed this. It is allowed on. It's pronounced cricket. It's pronounced non-official. This is the secondary Behind the Book Pass podcast. No, it's so related, though. It's pronounced cricket. In cricket, when the team is on the pitch, I'm done. I'm done with cricket now. That's all I mean about it. Uh, no, in baseball, there's an art to if there's like a close call, it's like a ball or a strike or someone out or whatever. There's an art to as a manager, which is the coach of a baseball team. They call them managers for some reason. That's what they call them in soccer as well. So I Perfect. There's an art to going and yelling and getting thrown out of the game. And they actually did a study, and teams do slightly better when managers get tossed. Because, I mean, honestly, a baseball manager doesn't do that much on a game-to-game basis. It's pitching changes. That's about it. And there's a million guys who have been around baseball for a million years in every dugout. Like, they can handle without him. But just seeing your coach go out and fight for you like that, it energizes a team. And I think, to go back to what you said, Adam, you can come back from your bathroom break. Coach Bud is the ultimate epitome of that. He literally went on trial for one of his players. Like, you can't go farther than that. He went on the stand to defend Tabo Cephalosha. I don't know if... I don't. It's a weird scenario to even think about. I can't imagine Jason Kidd testifying for, for Johnny O'Brien. Of course he's going could. to testify for Johnny O'Brien. I would he testify for to. Johnny O'Brien. This is a nice little... Segway. I don't think I've ever heard of a coach We've got, we've got to sidetrack for, for a second, Ty. We've got to sidetrack for a second. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Because mm-hmm. we have big news. We got sponsors, but it's not what you think. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by the official sponsor of Johnny O'Brien's basketball reference page, which, happens, the... which happens to be us. Um you just next time, next time you're checking out Johnny O'Brien's stats, which let's be honest, if you're anything like us, you probably check in there like two or three times a day. I know I've got a bookmarked. Um, you just have a look up top because there's a certain website, maybe a certain favorite website of yours who they've got some space there. Um, we are we are the biggest supporters of Job Tree. I mean, we've claimed we that ourselves. Now. I think proof. it is facts now. If you want to, if you want to find out some Johnny O'Brien information, you're going to see our name there. Um, so tonight's podcast and every podcast from now on is brought to you in association with Johnny O'Brien's basketball reference page. We're also in contract negotiations, negotiations to change the name to Behind the Bryant Path because he is a good passer. He is a good passer. He has a low turnover rate. I support that. It's very low. I support that resolution. For the record as well, this won't surprise you podcast listeners. I did look into the possibility of personally buying the Zaza Pachulia page. Would you you put your Twitter there or what? Uh, I would have linked to my Twitter. 
Yeah. You could have linked to an article you wrote about no, it. No, I would have just linked to the Twitter. Or maybe not. I, I mean, why, do, why does it have to link to me? I mean, I could have just linked to, like, a photo gallery of Zaza or something. Oh, my God. And the message would have been very simple. It would have been two words. Oh, yeah. Nothing easy. Nothing easy. So, the Zaza page, for any you know, it's going for $60 right now. I like how um, we all repeated nothing easy like a cult. Like, Jordan and I automatically <laughs> wanted nothing easy. Like, we did this so much from Adam. We were like, nothing easy. It's the reason we're all here. I, believe, I think we have a title for tonight's episode. Nothing easy. This was de- this podcast is definitely nothing easy. Um, is it episode 27, too? No, no. it's episode 3. Oh. How, did we, how did I miss that opportunity? Yeah. Yeah, was that not the, was that the Zaza episode? That might have been the one where I talked about that. Definitely not the Zaza episode. That was, no, like that was probably 28, not. I think. I think that was 28 to 29. Well, look, you've you've got my brain going now, and episode 77 coming up. The Johnny sometime O'Brien. In, sometime in 2016 will be the Johnny O'Brien episode. Mark it down the calendars, people. We've got 47 weeks to go till the Let's Johnny O'Brien in uh, a six. Let's hope nobody kicks him off of his number and makes him go to a different one by then. I don't think anybody is going to try to get that number. <laughs> you never know. I didn't think anyone would kick Johnny O'Brien off at 21, but Julius Vasquez has no heart. He was not 21. He was 3. That was a uh, male. Oh, was it? Did yeah. Come off? Yeah, Mayo I don't know why. No Mayo no had a number. Why, though. From his number to a different number that his teammate had. That's hmm. terrible. He had his own number. It's all right yeah, because because I don't feel like being Johnny O'Brien just—he owns seventy seven around the league now. Yeah. yeah, he does. He looks like a seventy-seven. I don't know what that means. <laughs> let's get back on track because <laughs> he looks—he looks like he wears a gritty number. Let's get back on track was what I said. Um, <laughs> we were talking originally before we got sort of very drastically <laughs> off-road there. Um, it was Yana's 33-point game was the subject of conversation. That was like an hour ago. Uh, yeah, I know. That's, that's where we're at. Uh, <laughs> what I wanted to mention on this, and I don't think it's any coincidence, I don't feel it was flagged up quite a lot after the game, although maybe I just missed it. I tend to go to sleep pretty soon after games, so maybe I missed it. For Yana's 33 points, he scored... 30 of them in the key. He only had two attempts that were outside of that. There was no mid-range twos, no long twos. He took one tree from each corner. Otherwise, there was one attempt from the free throw line, and everything else came within the restricted area. Talk about nothing easier. But this is it, a good segue. This is, this is a great segue. This is not... The thing about this is... Nothing easy. It might be how you look at that for a lot of teams. For Yanis and the books, this is exactly what comes easy to them. Got him. They're top five at the moment in terms of field goal percentage within five feet. Um, I don't understand. I, I Look, I, I get it. I get why we want Yanis to do more. We want them to shoot trees. We want them to to expand his range, and that doesn't just go for Yanis, that goes for lots of guys in this team. But this was something I wrote about today. 
And I think it's an important issue to discuss. I think it was prevalent in the first quarter tonight as well. And it's time that people sort of change their attitude about this a little bit. Um, the Bucks are a great inside team this year. They're still not a good shooting team. Don't let the numbers deceive you. They're Right now, they look pretty efficient in terms of three-point percentage. They're actually one of the better teams in the NBA. But that's on super low attempts. And as I will continue to remind people until the end of time, it's also skewed by Jared Bayless playing like somebody who most definitely isn't Jared Bayless. Jared Bayless is more like Steph Curry from deep right now. That's, that's not even a no, ridiculous not even, not even Steph Curry is Jared Bayless. Let's be honest. Come on. That's okay. That's fair, Jordan. That's definitely fair. <laughs> Let's um, some more trade talks with the Warriors. We can see if we can get Monta Ellis again. They don't have him. Well, it'll be a three-way trade, Jordan, obviously. <laughs> if the Warriors still had Monte Ellis, they wouldn't have won a championship. No, I mean, he would have taken his moped and driven out of town anyway. Anyway. Oh, Dude, oh. I just found out about that today. Oh. No one, I didn't oh, either man. tell me that. I had to find out on my own. Let's, let's, not, let's not go to things that people have to find out on their own. We might get there later. Um... But yeah, it's subtle hint. In terms, in terms of, I want, I want to talk with. So I want to hear your your guys' thoughts on this. Like, are the books putting too much too much of an emphasis on shaking up what they do and trying to be what's become the norm in the NBA? Like, it might be old fashioned, but the way that the books roster is set up, there's a clear sort of path for them to succeed with. And they just don't seem willing to go and take it. It's not a coincidence. Good things happen when the books go inside. That was quarter one against the Pacers. Giannis went inside all game against the Cavs. And then tonight, as I mentioned, it was very much like this. The books didn't attempt a three-pointer in the first quarter. And, of course, people, I won't name names, as is the tradition when certain people say things. But we're <laughs> I hope it's not. People, yeah, it's that, it's that particular people. Um, oh. We're freaking out on Twitter. Going, why aren't the books shooting trees? Because when the books shoot trees, good things don't necessarily happen. If they come in a flow and it's a more natural thing, which is what happened later in the game because they weren't going to the three-pointer, that's when the defense collapses inside, and if you then decide to use it as an option, it's there for you. You get open shots. How do you guys feel about the books really, and I mean really focusing their play inside more? Do you think it's as good an option as I do, or have I lost the plot? No, I think... I'm not. No, you go ahead, Jordan. I got, I got a lot of stuff. You go, you go. You go. No, you go. All right. All right. Don't play. I'll go. Jordan's quite Canadian, apparently. It's super you go. That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Let's not get racist that, again. I mean, this is becoming a tick. I've been a proponent of this for a while. I, wa I talked about going super big before the season started, which obviously would have an inside focus if you had Henson and uh, Edmund Rowe in there at the same time. People are losing sight of the fact the Bucks have been out to get a three-point shooter or two for a while, and I feel like people got the intention of why the Bucks wanted those confused. The, in the goal was never to go say, oh, let's go get a couple of sharpshooters it's just dogs. It's just, it's wolves or dog. I don't know what that is. Um, I'm going to go through it. 
the intention was to never turn into a shooting team. Like, it wasn't, like, let's get shooters and then make them the primary focus. The only goal was to get shooters to draw a little bit more attention away from Giannis, Jabari, and Monroe so they could go to war. That was always, like, the goal of getting the shooters. It wasn't get shooters and then orient your team around the shooters. It was get them just to keep defenses honest so that the other three would have room to, to operate. And that's what we saw tonight. I mean, it certainly wasn't a game plan geared around, you know, Jared Bayless, Chris Middleton, or Giannis, who all made threes tonight. But those guys made just enough so that the Pistons couldn't just clog the paint. And then you saw, you know, Greg Monroe had a pretty good game. Jabari and Giannis both had some thunder dunks, which were beautiful. That's the point of the shooters, is to just keep defenses honest, not to not to retool the offense. I, I get that, and I'm like I'm the biggest proponent of the three-point shot you'll ever meet. I mean, it's my thing. I would like to write a book on the three-point shot. At the same time, I think you can keep defenses honest. Like, how do you stop? You can't just clog the paint when the play is going to come by, say, guys approaching it in a little bit more of a dynamic way. So if, as the books do, if you're going to have some of your smaller guys or your guys from the perimeter driving in, driving hard into the paint, and then dropping the ball off to the big man who I guess is more traditionally stationed there, how do you stop that? Because, I mean, if you, it's okay to clog the paint, and if it's sort of a, a pass into the low post, and you're going to have the big guy bang sort of a couple of times down there, try and get position and hook it in. Okay, you can you can guard against that. Yeah. But if it's the sort of way that we've seen quite a bit from MCW, we've seen Yanis doing it as well, um, where you're going to have a player drive aggressively, and in the Bucks case, this is these really long athletic players who, if they have the ball under control, and that is an if, but if they have the ball under control and they come running at you, you have no answer. And then it's a question of, can they make the pass? And we know that they can. You're looking at simple lay-ins. Like, I don't think even that is that easy to defend. The idea of, oh, well, if you're going to play inside over and over again, teams can just collapse and you won't get anything out of it. I actually don't think that applies with the books. I know. I don't think it completely does. Like, it's, it's possible to have a good offense. Not a great. It's possible to have a good offense without much three-point shooting. I was agreeing with you when I said that. I don't think... No, I know you were. I know you focus. But um, it makes it so much easier. It really does. I mean, you can still get around those guys, right, of course. But if three defenders have to be out around the arc to at least account, to, to keep them honest, you've only got two guys left in the paint. If MCW blows by the point guard, it's then MCW and Moose against one center. That's that's buckets all the time. But it then... Takes the deg- it takes the degree of difficulty out of the pass. It makes it easier. But then um, I'm playing devil's advocate here again, I guess, because these are things that I didn't even... I mean, I don't feel as strongly about it. weren't things that I brought up in the article. But yeah. this is the way that everybody plays in the NBA and it tries to create space, particularly with their wings. And that goes to both sides of the floor because part of those guys who space on offense, their job is also to protect and chase their opposite numbers around on defense. Yeah. Approaching the game with something that's so different to what everyone sees on a nightly basis. Like, I mean, I don't know. There's lots of wing defenders, good wing defenders, 
who I don't think they'd know what to do if they had guys drive at them over and over again. Because they're so used to just chasing guys around screens, like ball denial more than anything else. And being great at denying your opponent possession is one thing. Well, then have them run at you. And like I'll bring it to the Hawks for this as somewhere that I know very well. Perfect example is Cotton Corver is one of the best players in the NBA at denying the ball because nobody knows how to get around screens better than Kyle Corver. If yeah. you take Yanis or you take Jabari and they run at Kyle Corver, he has no answer. I was and, actually I was gonna use Corver for my thing too. Sorry, go on. So I, I mean that's that's the part where I feel it's nearly this is what three point shooting was like five years ago when it first started to really sort of step up a notch and trickle in. And we all know three-point attempts have gone up and up and up since. It's nearly like full circle, where if you were to go so post-heavy, just teams wouldn't know what to do with it. And it's if you can do it with guys who are dynamic enough. I know you mentioned going big with Henson and Monroe. I don't like that side of it, because I don't feel it's necessary. And the reason for that is, we saw Jabari can... Jabari spaces the floor for you because Jabari will stand out in the perimeter. He'll stand there, he'll stand there, and then when someone wants to drop the pass off, he'll come charging in from the perimeter, pick up the ball, and absolutely hammer it home over somebody's head. I mean, it's that simple. Giannis can do the same. So they don't all have to stand inside to play inside because those two guys in one, two strides, they can come in, finish over anybody. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get. We're thinking. I think we're we're thinking more of different scenarios. In that, I was thinking of Corver too to go more along with what I'm saying. In that, we both know a lot of people might not. Kyle Corver is one of the best shot blockers in the entire NBA, not just guards. He creates havoc inside. He's a really underrated defender. And of course, you're right. I mean, what, it doesn't matter how good he is. He's six six. If he's one on one with Giannis, Giannis should be able to take him. I'm thinking more. Kyle Korver on a wing who can't floor space, like let's hypothetically use MCW, having him around the painted area is really bad for trying to, to drive and kick and do these drives we're talking about. Because he has long arms and great instincts, and he can create a lot of havoc in passing lanes or, or being the second defender on a guy driving, even if it is a bigger guy. Kyle Korver knows how to play good defense. Having the luxury of keeping guys like Kyle Corver and there's Danny Green, there's a lot of them. Making those guys stay away makes everything else easier. You know what I mean? I, th I think we're both right. I, th I don't think you're wrong or anything like that. I just think that it's if you can't keep teams honest, you lose that advantage. I think it's better to be versatile and be able to do both things. And I think the Bucks' strength will never be three-point shooting with this current this current young Buck core. But I think they need guys like Middleton and Bayless and the Amis now, apparently, so they can keep those troublesome wing players out of the paint. Because, I mean, guys like Kyle Culver, MCW does it. He's a good example. If he's in the paint and there's, there's the ball coming in, he gets a lot of steals. He gets a lot of blocks. He just creates havoc because he's, he's quick and he's good at just grabbing the ball and just disrupting things. Yeah, like I'm obviously taking these examples to the extreme to hammer, hammer home the point on it. Yeah. But... Like, I, I just, I do, I feel like, like the same way that, why does going all sort of, all out in the perimeter, that's like the definition of keeping a defense honest. Yeah. I mean, that's, they always have to be under guard. That's what people would say, where, 
Like, that's as one-dimensional as going all inside. I just don't know why that wouldn't be the same thing. And that's, we saw tonight even, it creates more space. It creates space that then when the three-point opportunities do present themselves, they're easier to convert because you've got time because it's like, oh, wait, they haven't gone inside this time. And that's where the game can really open up. And that was only part of tonight why I felt the books were able to close out a game because they were so heavy on going inside early. They shot no three-pointers. And then the second quarter when some of the bench came in and I guess some of the stars were there as well, in a pretty short space of time, they had three three-pointers from OJ Mayo, Jared Bayless, Chris Middleton. And that helped them to sort of take a slightly more commanding position. Yeah, sure. Jordan, Jordan hasn't said anything in quite a while. Me and you have been going at it. So let's let's yeah. hear Jordan. And I would like to say it's a pleasure to have Jordan's dog back on the podcast. Oh, no. Uh, people, people who've been listening to the podcast since the start must be going, where has Jordan's dog gone? Well, <laughs> the return. He's back. There's nothing wrong happening. He's just... <laughs> he's just loud. Anyway... Uh, no, I, I I agree with both both what uh, what you guys are saying. I think my biggest problem with well before the first half of the Indiana game and tonight is the fact that we we keep talking about how young this team is. And yes, they have so many offensive flaws. We it's like the first thing we bring up with some players, but it was the fact that they weren't active. They weren't cutting. They would just, like, there would be times where if guys stopped dribbling the ball, like, no one's coming to him. There wasn't activity going on. Like, there's a difference between going through the low post and slowing up pace, and I, they're consciously going away from that now, it sounds like, because uh, with kids' recent comments in the last couple games. But there's a difference between going down low but being a dull <laughs> offensive team. You can be incredibly active, May not you may not be the Warriors or the Mori Ball type teams of shooting just mainly threes or something like that, but there's a way of trying to be making space when even though it's a tight space, there's ways to go around it than the usual just coming up with floppies or pick and rolls or stuff like that, which they have started to add more often, which is I think their best trait, even whether it's Vasquez or Carter Williams. But anyway, I think. That's what my biggest problem was. It wasn't the fact that, oh, Carter Williams is not a good outside shooter, even though he's starting to look like he could hit an elbow jumper every once in a while. It was the fact that they weren't getting the most out of themselves, especially when they're – I feel like it's the reverse of last year is that their offense – if their offense feeds their defense now, where last year it felt like their defense feeds their offense. They've spent so much time and energy on trying to get the defense to where it was in the top or top, you know, two in the league, to where they are trying to be an efficient offense. And if they can break, build up a good lead or stuff like that, then it's going to feed their defense, which we saw tonight. I mean, you know, the last parts of the first half, they they were, it felt like they were just like up by two, and then in a minute they're up by ten at the halftime. And it literally set the tone for the rest of the game. It was it was actually kind of like the reverse of the Pacers game for them. So I think there's ways to go about around it, and that's why I really liked the article today. Is that this team, just because they have flaws, is that you could use 
some of those, I guess, the, their strengths to their advantage, and it, it felt like they weren't doing it enough. Like, there's always times where they're doing it, but it just didn't feel like they're doing it up until what I saw from tonight, mainly, and the, a little bit of the pieces game. Like, the thing, the thing with it is, it's like people work off this assumption that spacing is created by guys standing around on the perimeter. It's created by passing. And it doesn't matter mm -hmm. if that passing is outside or inside. If you move the ball, you create space. And that's what the books have shown a really sort of... They've shown a real knack of being able to do that. You could have two guys standing side by side, but if the ball moves, extra pass will find a little bit more space, enough space for someone to get an easy shot. And that's all it's about. It's about just moving the ball. That, more than anything, I think... It's funny. Recent NBA teams get credited... Uh, for their shooting, uh, NBA, I should say, championship winning teams for their shooting, the common denominator has been passing more than anything else. It's they'll make the pass to find the better shot. Now, for the season so far, the books are averaging 22.8 assists per game, which is one of the better marks in the league, but it's not great. I mean, they could do a lot better than that. Tonight, for example, though, lots of inside play, 30 assists. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't feel like they have to pass it that much. Like you, it wasn't like you were watching and going, "Wow, the books like passed it so well tonight." Mark, Michael Carter Williams did. That plays a factor in it, absolutely. He's a point guard. Same time he played, I think he was around 24 minutes, and then he sat because the game was over. And guys like Vasquez carried that on. Bayless had four assists, as Vasquez did, I think, tonight as well. Mm. Um. It's just doing simple things. If they keep moving, both in terms of movement of bodies and movement of the ball, easy opportunities will come. And it's whether inside or out, that's up to the books where they want to take them. Passing has got to be the first part of it. Um, I personally think inside is where it's going to be the easiest for the books to get success. Otherwise, you're trying to mesh a young group of players together, so you're dealing with their youth, their inexperience, the raw nature of their game. And then you're also going, let's do something that you're not actually that good at either, which is win games from the outside. Uh, makes so little sense. Let's just, move on. I have on. do one more thing. Go yeah. On, yeah. Uh, I just want to, Jordan brought up Steph Curry, and I was going to, too, in that there's been all the folk, all the talk besides, you know, undefeated Warriors, all this. I, I could go on about it. I write about the Warriors a little bit for Hoops Habit now, just because I, I want to talk about it so much. I'm not going to talk about the whole team right now, but the, like a lot of the talk has been, you know, Steph's on pace to break the threes made record that he set last year by the All Star break. So it's like, oh, well, Steph, you know, he's an outside player. Well, yes, but not completely. Uh, ha Tom Haberstraw shared this today. I thought it was insane. It's true. True, true Hoop TV, I guess, was the one who did the the first story. Stephen Curry leads the NBA in paint field goal percentage. Like, Stephen Curry, of course he's the best outside shooter ever, probably. He's really, really good inside, too, just because you have to respect him. Like, you can't, you have to run up on him. And if you run up on him and you're careless, he'll go around you. And we all know how just insane that floater is where he tosses the ball up and it bounces against the roof of the stadium and goes directly in the hoop. It's nuts. I mean, he can do that because he often can get to the rim fairly easily because you have to go up on him. You have to you have to jump at his shot fake because he's so electric from three. 
but it's it's like one thing plays into the other. You can't be 100% one or the other. Not even Steph Curry and the Warriors, the, the jump-shooting team. I mean, he's great inside, too. If he wasn't, it'd be easier to stop him. I don't know if you could completely, but, I mean, I think if Steph Curry's bad inside, I don't think they're 15-0. That's a huge part of those games, too, is, you know, you can't – he's, he's going to kill you either way. You know, it's, it's however you play it, he'll do the opposite thing. That's good basketball. Good basketball isn't we're the best team at doing one thing, but we can't do the other thing. Because teams will be able to adjust. If you can do both things well, that's where you become an unstoppable team. I can't argue with that. No arguments we had with that. I mean, that's it's as simple as, like, everybody looks for that, that balance. It's just not there for everyone, though. I mean, your roster can't always have that. And if that's the case and you're lopsided one way or the other, you've got to play into that. I don't, me, I don't know if you do that. I think you have to strive for balance. I don't know. I mean, you'll be good, but you'll. I don't think you'll ever win a title. Are the Bucks looking to win a title this year? No, but I mean long term. I guess year by year, maybe you have to lead. Long term, the place we're in right now, long term, the Bucks wouldn't win a title playing just with the defense they had last year with last year's offense. And if the offense even does come together one way or another, if they go inside and they become this sort of juggernaut, believe me, it sounds as unlikely to me even with all my thoughts on that saying it. But if that was yeah. to happen and they were to go on real offensive force this year and the defense is the way it was, that's not going to win them anything either. No, like, it's, it's, it's the same as scoring. You need both. You need both. I... I still think going forward, with your, you need both, but there's always one or the other that will slightly edge it. Like there's no, the perfectly balanced team doesn't exist. That's not the Warriors because they lean more towards playing for the outside. Doesn't mean they won't hurt you inside. They still play more that way. I don't know. I I think you in the future the the post is going to be a massive part of what the books do. Now obviously that could change two years from now if Greg Monroe went elsewhere and he didn't have another center to sort of fill his boots in that regard, but. I just think with how Jabari and Giannis play as well, it's going to factor into it. Anyway, okay. let's, let's move on. Yeah. We'll look at the week ahead, but before we do, it's time to quickly look at the week that was and catch up on uh, our predictions leader. We don't, we don't have to. We could, we could just go to the next one. So one person got no predictions right this week. I wonder what idiot did that. Uh, did you get one? Maybe you got one. I'm going to go with none. It sounds better. So one person got none right this week. You cannot be tight. You, didn't, you uh, don't even know for sure. You just assume. I mean, I have, I have the scores updated. I'm 0 for 1 in the Pistons game. So I guess that's, that's, that's the only one that mattered. So I guess I'm winless by Adam standards. No, you're actually, you're, you're, you are 0 for 4, yeah? Did I call? I called wins in the other three games. Yeah, you did. Really? Yeah. It doesn't sound like me. Wow. No, apologies. Yeah, one, I don't. You're one and three because you had the Cavs to be. I, I definitely didn't pick the the Bucks over LeBron and the Cavs. And yeah, that was me. I did that. On national TV. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to do that. Anyway, so you're one and three. The leaderboard. Mike Helm, ten and four. Dear, what a ringer. He's 
He's running yeah, away yeah. with it. The feeling Jeez. is going to get quite ill towards Mike. That's impressive. It's really impressive. That's yeah. really impressive. Even for calling him the, the right before the game, that's still really, really good. Wow. Ten did he get today's right? Did he get the Pistons right? Yeah, of course he did. Everyone except you got the Pistons right. Okay, John. Um, I was just wondering. I'm in second place <laughs> at eight and six. <laughs> the big news is we have a tie of records, no pun intended, oh. in, in third place. Ty is just edging it due to his points differential, but Jordan Tresky is back at 500, folks. Boom. Back in the game. Um, points differentials through the whole list is Mike at 183, me at 219, Ty at 220, Jordan at 235. You got about one point on a differential. Yeah, and I'm one game better on record, so... Yeah, that's okay. It's just defensive. Those blowout losses are killing us. Six a.m. Adam is aggressive. I didn't think that was aggressive, but it is six a.m. That was aggressive. The week ahead. (laughs) See how softy I said that. (laughs) The week ahead. The Sacramento Kings ties. Once beloved Sacramento Kings. Can we call him my alma mater? Did I graduate from the Sacramento Kings? Uh, no, you're more like a deserter. Okay. I was like, what would be, what would be like if you went abroad? Is there a term? Ty was Ty was honorably discharged from Sacramento. <laughs> I don't know if there is honor in Sacramento. Um, <laughs> oh. Good God! Oh, they almost they almost fired George Carl after like seven games. Hey, hey, we don't That's have Jack Matthews with George Carl. Sacramento, you know that me and Jordan, we we respect you. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've got your back. The Kings Uh-oh. game comes on. A key. Were you gonna say it? No, go on. Key. Key thing when we are uh, in our wagers. It sounds like DeMarcus Cousins could be out. Yeah, it does. I'm not convinced he's going to be out on what we've heard so far, but we'll see. Um, He could be out with injury. He could be out with, I don't feel like playing for George Carl today. He could be out with, I just got traded to the Celtics for six draft picks. You you can never tell what he might be out with. I'm taking Bucks by 12. I don't think we got to that stage yet. What? No, but well, we're there now. Oh, Why were we not at that stage? I thought that's all we were here for. Adam paused. He made a long pause. Ty clearly doesn't want to talk Kings ever again. No, you want to talk about... We can talk about... Rondo's been great. I think, I think without... it's cla- classified. I was going to... He's not really disturbed. Definitely. He definitely has some classified Kings information. <laughs> I do. <laughs> but... We will talk Rondo in a second, because I'm going to go there when I get to my prediction. Um, he had 20 assists tonight. He broke the record for the Kings. That's really good. That that $9 million deal is starting to look like a legitimate deal. He's been incredible this year. Like, I mean... He was, I think he was like 14, 28, and 5. He played 48 minutes in two consecutive games and was good in both games. Like, Rondo has got a pretty... Is he going to get a max deal if he keeps this up? 
he's like he's averaging twelve point seven, ten point eight assists, seven point six rebounds, with two point one steals. I mean, even he's averaging four turnovers. What's he shooting from three? Ten point eight to four isn't bad. <laughs> I think he's shooting like ten percent from three. Thirty-five percent. Yeah, what? no, actually, yeah, that's the thing. His free throw numbers. Free throws. I, I just I don't understand what happened. How this works. But he's shooting. He's nearly shooting a better three point percentage than free throw percentage. Shooting thirty six point four from the line. He doesn't, he doesn't get to the line. Only one point five times a game. It's a, it's a small sample size. Yeah. It'll it'll get around. It'll probably get to back to around sixty, which is his career number. Yeah. The fact that he's shooting thirty five from three and doing all that. I mean. He, oh, it's. I don't think he, I don't know if he's been the best player. Dude, he's team. taking more. He, sorry to interrupt. He's taking more three pointers than free throw attempts. That's, that's ridiculous. Good. That's really good for them. But that's bizarre. Well, that's because most most you of the time. Don't want them at the line, though. <laughs> well, it, most of the time he goes inside to do a pass. It's really hard to do a shooting foul on Rondo. That's what why. What the hell? He doesn't have the ball for long. He's either passing or shooting pretty quick most of the time. No, the Kings had a sneaky good offseason. They just still have these chemistry problems that are not His good. usage is really low as well. Mm-hmm. 19.7%. That's on NBA stats now, unless they measure differently for usage, which I know them basketball reference do measure differently in quite a few things, uh, just to make it confusing. Um, let's see. No, it's pretty much the same. Like, I mean, he's he's under twenty under twenty for his usage. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's been super super productive. It's all that connect for. Is uh, I don't I don't know if you guys didn't answer because you thought it was ridiculous. Or if you were just like busy thinking, is he gonna get a max deal for like two or three years off this? I don't think I he have the, a max deal. I have a team. I have the team where he's going. I don't know. I'm not gonna predict salary. Or I do anything. too. No. I do too. The Grizzlies after Mike Conley comes to Milwaukee. No, no, no. Brooklyn baby. Oh no! Are they gonna try to compete again? They might. They still have that they young. If they if they compete, this is the funny thing. If they compete, that's where Mike Conley will go. Why would he go there? Because Lionel Hollins is the coach. Oh. Because it's New crazy. York. Uh, I uh, they'll have the money to pay him. I honestly I could see Mike Conley if he leaves Memphis, which I don't think he will. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go there. Are, are we ready for the the Rondo to Milwaukee talk that's gonna happen? No, because you're the only one who's gonna start that. So if we are you kidding me? If we kill it now, can't shoot. every point guard who can't shoot is rumored to come to Milwaukee at some point. Adam made that joke six days ago. I you made that joke. That was that joke was Ty. I'm making that it again. Ty? That was yeah. Ty. I went to, I went to sleep at half time in that game. Wait, what? And Ty tweeted yeah. so sarcastically that I think people thought it was me. I thought it was you. No, I, I, I woke up the next tweet. day. I woke up I was falling asleep. I went, Ty, you better take the second half. Because Twitter is normally me. Uh, but on that that occasion I killed that second half. And he tweeted so saltily. I was on fire. That rebound Books fans, books fans that were loving all the books hate that Ty was tweeting from our books Twitter account. Yes. You know what, the other thing too, what I'm mad about, I'm not mad about the Bucks hate. 
I meant about the identity theft. You, we, identity we, like, theft. we switch it up. We switch it up. <laughs> no oh. one informed me. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I, I like that I tricked you. I was thinking Jordan's that while I was great. I was like, I was like, Jordan's tweeting at me like I'm Adam. He has no idea. I'm doing this perfectly. <laughs> to be fair, it was first half you were tweeting at me, Jordan. I remember. Sorry, it. I, I I was impressed by just the level of. See, the difference is when you see that level of negativity towards the books. I don't I don't bring that. I'm not brave enough to bring that. That's that's Ty. So here's the thing. You know that my, the motto of my podcast, Time Out with Ty, which is Fridays, is... Yeah, welcome to the dark side. When did that start happening? The motto of the podcast... No, that's not the motto. That's just, no. That was just... That's the tag for one episode. The motto <laughs> is, you got to give the people what they want. And no, no one has ever used that before. No, yeah, I just made it up, I think. Um... But I don't was, know if you're serious there no, or not. It's obviously the Jalen Rose thing. That's okay. Um, like nobody wanted to hear positive buck stuff in the, in the second half of that game. Like, was that the Wizards game? Uh, was yeah, I think so. No, yeah, it was the Wizards game. Definitely yeah. was. It was the Wizards game, mm-hmm. and it was just like they were just they looked terrible. Greg Monroe played 20 minutes for some inexplicable reason. No one's ever explained to me why. Just because, like, Marston Gortat is such a weapon, I don't know. And it was just like, it, it just didn't feel good. And I was like, I'm not going to be here like, oh, look, Johnny O'Brien made a, a two-pointer down 36 points. Like, no, no, I'm not going to. They're rebounding so terribly to the longest team in history. This is ridiculous. I gave the people what they wanted. It was salt. We gave, we gave time <laughs> one half on the Twitter account. And he was the most negative man in the books fan base. And you, books fans, shame on you. You loved every second of it. If they're going to play like garbage, I'm going to talk about garbage. Uh, When when that happens, I I just reminisce about Zaza or embrace the fact that J.O.B. gets minutes. Yeah, I don't. I I embrace the garbage. I'm like, wow, we're garbage. Let's tweet like garbage. Let's go full garbage. We're going trash, man. These are the reasons why I try not to fall asleep early in most games. You should see the Facebook. I'm going to start posting pictures of garbage on the Facebook when they're not playing well. Of the band? Yes, (laughs) the band. There's a band. What's What's their hit song? I can't remember it right now. They did a Bond song. I'm not going there. We'll get distracted. Um, I say, as we, I say, we'll get distracted. We're already distracted. I can't remember where we were. Kings pretty. Yeah. What did I say? Bucks by twelve. Yeah. The songs. I think I'm paranoid. Bucks by twelve. Jordan. I'm doubling down. Bucks by twenty-four. Not that, not not too, not that doubling. Uh, let's go halfway there. Bucks by eighteen. Boogie's gonna sit. Oh, I might be at the game. I so might I'll be talk, at the game too. There you go. I'll talk to George Carl and. I might be at the game. Chances are slim, but I might be. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna find anything Jordan can happen. <laughs> you'll get. You'll hack the jumbotron. Yeah. Um, 
I'm still having a hard time, even though we saw it tonight, and believing that the Bucks can win a game easily. Um, Bucks by. Bucks by 10. Okay, Jordan. Are you sure you don't uh, want Bucks by 11? No, that would make me Jordan. Bucks by 10 makes me me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Friday, Friday night, the Bucks will head to the Amway Center uh, to face off against the Magic. Do you believe in Magic? No. I believe in Evan Fournier. Never Google. What is that noise? <laughs> Thanks for saying exactly what everybody was thinking. Uh, I, didn't know, I didn't connect. I, I, I had a dog bark repeat for a half hour. <laughs> Evan Fournier, anyway. Also known as Never Google. Yeah, you know who started that? Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier was the one who shared that on Twitter. He's like, I Googled my last name, and it's it's terrible. Don't do it. And then everyone, of course, all his followers Googled it. I have not Googled it. I don't plan on Googling it. I thought it, it was Matt Moore. It was Matt Moore. Because no, he, Matt, tweet, no, he no, tweeted no. at Matt Moore last week that Matt Moore started it. Mm-hmm. I thought Matt Moore brought it in the mainstream, but I'm pretty sure I saw Matt Moore share a tweet where it was Evan Fournier. Was the, he, he, I don't know if he said never Google, but he, he shared a tweet of Fournier, and it was like, don't Google my last name. I just did Miss Gross. I'll take your word for it, but I think you've got that wrong. I think it's like the dunk where... Dr. J invented it, but Michael Jordan refined it. Like, Evan Fournier invented it. This is way too deep to be looking into the origin of Evan Fournier's nickname being Never Google. Anyway, anyway. Jennings the pterodactyl. Anyway, 19.2 points a game at the moment for Evan Fournier. That would lead all bucks. Wait, would it? No, Maybe. Yes, it would. Giannis is is leading the books at around 17 at the minute. Um, Evan Fournier is in my fantasy team. Oh, my God. With with Andre Drummond. I was wondering how far you were going to make it before you started to uh, laud Drummond again. Oh, not to get further. I I updated my fantasy name in our fantasy league. I I saw it. I don't know if Ty has. Have you seen and, it, Ty? Which don't, is funny don't because, check it. Let him tell you. Because Ty, I played Ty last week, so I... That was <laughs> you? Yeah. You didn't know that. No, I didn't know I that. I said it to you. I said, that's Jordan you're playing. No, you didn't. You said something about Jordan. You're pour some Zingas on me? I, pour, I am pour some Zingas on me. He, I think you'll find he poured some Zingas on you. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, that bothered me because you don't even have Christoph's poor Zingas. I like... Names that are <laughs> you funny. Don't even, you're supposed to have the guy. <laughs> no. They, no, that's, that's all I'm going to argue with that because my team is called... Yeah, uh, yeah. you don't follow yeah. the rule either. Yeah, but that's because someone reached There's a no pick on like the fourth round, so it wasn't my fault. Lance which, Maker which turned Dance. out it was a good pick, so well done that person. Uh, Lance anyway. Maker Dance doesn't even have Lance Stevenson. Well, why would you want him? Anyway, this is terrible. Let's forget never Google ever predictions. Just give me predictions. 
What is the game? Oh, it's in Orlando. Why do yeah. I care? Bucks, Bucks by six. <laughs> Magic aren't a real team yet. They're, I have a heart. They're so Bucks like two uh, years ago. I don't even know. I, I think they're more. They're still more fifteen win Bucks than forty one win Bucks. Yeah, they're not. They're not gonna win just fifteen, but they're not gonna win forty games. I'm going Bucks before in double OT. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like his thinking. Bucks by two in single OT. Bucks by half a point in quadruple OT. No, that would be the Nets. Hornets. This is a Sunday game. Oh, the Andrew game. Our new, our latest addition to the team, Andrew Snyder, um, who will be Will I tease it? Uh, he, he's already said it on Twitter. Okay, well, he will be joining Ty for this week's timeout with Ty. TWT3. I hope for everyone's sake they don't talk baseball or something, but look, I'm doing my best for you guys in that regard, so don't blame me if they talk baseball. You uh, can't regulate my pod. My pod's unregulate, unregulated. <laughs> I don't even have to pronounce the words right. That's part of the contract. Yeah, um, so <laughs> the Hornets is a Sunday game, that's a thing, um, predictions. Wait, is it Milwaukee or is it Charlotte? It's in Charlotte. Why do I care again? Bucks by six again. Oh my. Ty is not going to regret these predictions at all next week when Jordan has overtaken him. There's zero chance Jordan takes the Hornets at home. What time is the game? It's an early game. <laughs> it's it's uh, I'm, I'm going to say 1 p.m. Central. 1 p.m. Central? 2 p.m. Local. What's the what's the forecast like for the game? Hey, you never know. It's hurricane season. Um, <laughs> In Charlotte? The hurricanes pass through Charlotte on the coast. I love how you said pass through. It's like the only pass through. It wouldn't stay there. Pass Have you ever seen a hurricane that stays in one place? I've never I, seen a hurricane. I live in Ireland. To be honest, I have passed through Charlotte. <laughs> Charlotte was my stop when I flew down to Florida once, so I've passed through Charlotte. I wouldn't stay out of Pass through like a, a hurricane. Kind of city. Through, yeah, yeah, that's me. Charlotte's got, got a nice airport. <laughs> That's a fact. Please, Jordan, save me. What's your prediction? I think I'm going to go Hornets. Hornets by seven. Oh, you made him do it, Adam. Horn no, I, I think Hornets is... I, I didn't. I'm going Hornets by five, so... They're a tougher team than anybody would have thought post-MKG injury. They're definitely the toughest team that the books play this week. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, Oh, right sorry, sorry. now, right now, I take them over to Magic. Right now, um, Nick Batum is playing insane. But started from Batum, and now we're here. It's super important because next Monday, the books play the Nuggets oh, no. in the Another Monday Center. game. 
Another Monday game. Which means game. another Monday game, which means this time next week at quarter <laughs> past six in the morning, Irish time, I am likely going to be doing this again. But <laughs> good news, books fans. Jordan Tresky has a staff for you. I tweeted out earlier, but some of you might have missed it, so I'll let Jordan unleash it on you all. <clears throat> oh, we're two. The Bucks are two and zero after. Er, oh, he, he made a mess of it. Damn made, it, Jordan! And he gave the grand clearing of the throat, and then he just sort of <laughs> bundled it out there. Let's, just, let's like, edit, uh, edit, edit the whole thing. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Jordan calls for edits now. Is that what just happened? I thought it'd be funny to say edit. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> the Bucks are two and zero pre podcast recording. There we go. Those nine words took a couple tries to get out, but we got there. No, we don't. Don't leave the edit part in. That's what's funny about saying the word. <laughs> <laughs> Predictions. The Nuggets? This is a revenge game. Yes. Ah, I hate doing Bucks by five. I'm taking them in every game. Oh, this is going to be bad. I can already tell. Ah. They should win, though. If they don't win, I don't think it's my fault. I think it's the Bucks' fault. They should win these games. At least three of them. Bucks by 14. Oh, books by seventeen. It's time for the mailbag. Mailbag. We've got three questions in this week. Three good ones too. Um, Quality cues. Thank you for coming back, Twitter, with questions. We missed it recently. How about don't bail out again? You're so demanding. You put high expectations on people. Uh, okay. It's not First bad. Question. First yeah, question. At Alex underscore Koenig 023. I like this guy. With English going down to the D-League, what does this mean to the rest of the back of the bench players? We should probably address the first part of that first. Damien Inglis is with the Canton Charge in the D-League right now. Um, he's going to play on Wednesday night is the first game they have since he's gone down there. I'd like to stop and point out and blow my own trumpet for a second. Um, I took a part in a roundtable for Upside Motor at the weekend. Posted on Sunday. I was asked, which book would benefit the most from going to the D-League? I said Damien Inglis. Two hours later, the books went, we better send Damien Inglis to the D-League. Team or no team, he's got to go there. <laughs> so yeah, that happened. Um, I hope in you other know. News, any of you who are wondering, huh, strange, why that guy who's advocating the books D-League team so regularly... Strange that he didn't write a piece on on Damien Inglis going to the D-League. I missed the news completely. Missed it completely. I was out of internet and coverage for like four hours. 
And this was uh, my these, fault. These the things are okay when you have a co-editor. You think you go. Oh. Yep, there it is. I he'll told you it's my fault. He'll tell me. He'll go. Oh, did you hear the English news? No, it didn't happen. Um, I retweeted it. I thought you checked my Twitter. We're not all as involved in your Twitter as you are, Ty. So tomorrow, tomorrow, before this, by the time this is posted, I, I'm pretty confident you'll have you'll have some English takes, and. I, I might regret saying this now because I'm going to be tied into it, but as long as Damien Inglis is in the D-League, oh, I'm already regretting it, but I'm, I'm there now. As long as Damien Inglis, <laughs> Jordan shaking his head at me, is in the D-League, I will write Damien Inglis post-game reviews. Oh, why? What? I've done it. Uh, yeah, you did. Um, I hope you know you're about to spark the Damien Inglis Desire Brigade in the Bucks fan base. 2.0. 3.0. Well, not if he ends up being terrible in the D-League. He's not going to be terrible in the D-League. Mm, you never know. Let's see. Okay. Even if he's not good in the D-League, every D-League player has a game where they drop like 25 or 30 points. It's like the ritual of the D-League. You could find a box score from like anyone who's ever been in the D-League, and they lit it up at least one game. David Stockton spent a year in the D-League and shot, like, 50% from three and averaged, like, 10 assists a game. And he's, like, 5'9". It's the D-League. It's, it's and there was that other guy. What was his name uh, from the Reno Bighorns as well? Brady Hislip, was it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Everyone in the D-League lights it up. Brady Hislip shot, like, 60% from three or something. Absolutely mm. crazy. I plan to write about how Seth Curry was such a crazy shooter because he's the best in the D-League. And he shot like 53% and he was like 8th in the D-League. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is seven other guys shooting more than 50-some percent. Of, it's, it's nuts. Damien Inglis will go off in at least one or two D-League games. The one thing I'll say on this now is I hope they leave him down there for a bit of time. Don't do this thing that teams do, unless there's an injury. Don't just send them there for one game and call them back, because what does that achieve? Don't do. Don't be the Knicks with Tenacious. I think, I think it, that's the reason why he's down there, though. I mean, it's that, remember that stat that Marvin Albert said during the TNC game? He said that that was the first... Having Mayo back and Parker was the first time the Bucks roster was fully healthy from top to bottom in, like, four years. So I think that's why they they sent Inglis, Inglis, Inglis to... Uh, Don't let Ty's pronunciation of Inglis catch on. I know, but I... It's, I say it the same. I say English. Joe Ingles. You say, you say English most weeks. Joe I gave up. English. I gave up on trying to get the real pronunciation. While we're at that, though, that was an incredibly impressive statistic from our Howard. Yeah. Um, not that. Mark. Not that. This is the difference in national TV. Um, not that Marv Albert himself uh, stumbled across that stat, but whoever it is, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Whichever one of his reads. Encyclopedic knowledge of of the NBA. <laughs> He didn't even look it up. And that's my word. That's my word corner. Encyclopedia. <laughs> he just thought of yeah. it. He's like, he he's it. like, hmm. I believe it's been since 2011 since the Bucks were completely healthy. Quick recap: Jordan Tresky's word corner. Encyclopedic. I'm not that impressed. Knowledge. I'm not that impressed. 
he he's got to bring it better next week. So I agree. Yeah. And um. Okay. Before, the question though. Question. Before, before we answer the question very quickly, and I hope he's ready for this. Yes. I hope it's me. Okay, he is ready for this. I told you this is my quarter. Miles Plumley points to fail ratio. Let's do this, Jordan. He wanted a foul so bad today, but I don't think he got one. <laughs> Twenty-four points, thirteen fouls. Fourteen. We're counting and the technical. We're, count, we're counting the technical. Yeah, no, we do. We count it. So twenty-four points, fourteen. Is that? Mm-hmm. He wanted a foul so bad today. He leapt at someone. He's nearly getting to a two-to-one points-to-fail ratio. But here's the interesting thing. If we looked at it as shots made instead of points scored, it'd be about one to one. It would be. It's four I think we should, versus fourteen. Yeah, I think, I think we should do that. Because once, I mean, if he starts making some free throws, it's going to get out of hand. I think you're overestimating Plumley. That he's going to have more than two times fouls that he does points. There's going to be games. He's going to foul out. I want to predict points. at some point yeah. he's going to foul out in 12 minutes. Henson came pretty close today. He had four he fouls in eight minutes. He was on pace. He's been spending too much time on the bench with Miles Bumley. Nice. Um, what, what does this mean for the rest of the bench players? Not Miles Bumley's fouls, but Damien Nicholas don't. <laughs> Not much, apparently, because Vaughn still barely got in this game. Vaughn and Vaughn and Ennis aren't going to see many minutes if people are healthy. That's what we've learned. Yeah. Yeah, I, it doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, it's technically more opportunities because it's one less guy to fight off. But they're not exactly being generous with opportunities right now. So. Well, I mean. Well, they are with one particular player who, if Jared he Bayless. just no, if he disappeared from the rotation, the team. Completely, it would not be a bad thing, and it's Chris Copeland. Oh, um, um, I fell off the Chris Copeland train completely with that one sequence of defense on Jared Dudley um, that I tweeted a vine out of during that game. That was when it was still me on the account, Jordan. Um, I don't know what who to trust anymore. Me, not not Chris Copeland on defense. That's, that's, <laughs> Damn it! I'd Question two in the mailbag comes from at pencil two two nine two. Still the the best writing utensil on the market. Yeah, he'd be a little bit better if he was more consistent, though. Yeah, he's not a mechanical pencil. He's a normal pencil. He needs to upgrade. Not a mechanical pencil. Okay. He's like um, just a wooden kind that can break. Uh, you need a pencil. Yeah. I don't. I honestly don't know what that is. So let's. You don't have mechanical pencils. Mm, if we do, I don't know what that is. So. What? Wow, your life is terrible. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm not using pencils of any form. My life is terrible. Um, <laughs> Jeez, no mechanical pencils in my life. Wow. Maybe there is. I have no idea what it is. I don't think about pencils very often. So. I think. I think about pencils. All the time. Mostly this one. I'm I'm googling mechanical pencil. Oh, it's like this plastic thing where you squeeze the top and lead comes out. Oh yeah, we have them. We have them. 
okay. Yeah, I was going to say, like, jeez. That, that's so much. I, I had, when you describe it as a mechanical pencil, I was getting excited. I, I expect something better. Like a robot? Yeah, basically. You, you cut it in one, Jordan. That's basically what I was expecting. So that was a disappointment when it was one of those. You should um, talk to the people that market mechanical pencils then. Oh, yeah. Pencil had a question. Um, oh, yeah. Why are we having all these blowout losses? Is it issues with defense, or are we running out of steam in the fourth quarter? I'd like to come in first and say we've generally been running out of steam in the second quarter, uh, which is a much bigger problem than running out of steam in the fourth quarter. Um, so that's what I, I think we, we touched on this. We didn't touch on it. We went for about 40 minutes of this earlier yeah. in a whole host of different ways. Um, the biggest problem is the books don't kill off games. Simple as that. So even when it's going their way, they let teams back in and they let them get away from them. Yep, to the to the tune of the great Drake and Future song. Coaching, 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 coaching. That's my answer. Need to be more aggressive coaching. Wow. Um, the song was jumping. I think we got that. Last question in the mailbag comes from Sam 73 Given what we saw tonight and his anemic 8.7% rebound rate, oh. does Jabari Parker rebound well enough to play power forward? Ooh. Great question. That is a good question. Maybe not, but luckily Giannis probably does. Yeah, that's that's the answer. And it doesn't matter because not only does Giannis, but Michael Carter-Williams is easily an above-average rebounder for his position. Middleton may- maybe as well. But Middleton's fair, rebounding is inconsistent, but I think like that gets covered over, and Parker's showing he can play the four in a lot of other ways. To be fair to Troy, it's a really good question. It is a great team, question. The whole team, which just the whole team's been terrible rebounding. That's why my my saltiest tweet when I took over the handle got got the most retweets and favorites. Is I can't wait to see the thirty for thirty about the the longest team in NBA history to be dead last in rebounding. It doesn't make any sense. They need to fix that. See, that was the hint. The the 30 for 30, the Bill Simmons reference, Jordan, you should have gone. That's yeah. Ty. Ty Wendish all over. Yeah, you should have. You should have. You really should have. Just don't know us well enough. That seems it. Yeah. I don't, don't turn this on me. <laughs> I'm an innocent bystander. Just trying to have fun on Twitter. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know. I mean, it's a very valid question, but it's also I'm gonna legitimately answer this question. That is a 180 if you've ever heard one. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The thing is, I I agree that I don't think he's that good of a, he's gonna be that good of a rebounder, but it's also he's still under his minutes restriction. So what is he gonna be when he's fully or I mean cut loose? I don't know. I don't know. I think healthy is still the word. Yeah. yeah. He's still, he he looked winded a, a couple times. Even I mean, obviously he had some great plays, but... You know, I actually think it was Troy who pointed this out to me when I posted the vine of the hilarious rebounding play oh where... God. What, like four offensive rebounds? Yeah, a combination of Pistons got like six rebounds, mostly Drummond. 
Yeah. Mm. Barry comes into that and then he pulls right out of the picture. He just basically yeah. backs away from the rebounding. Yeah, I, I love Jabari, but he's, I mean, he's a terrible rebounder. There's, there's not really two ways around it right now. He's not good at it. I think, I think the books should, obviously they haven't. Tonight was an improvement, that's permanent. But they should be able to rebound by committee, so it doesn't matter. I think he does enough of everything else he has to do at power forward well enough to get away with it. But who knows? We'll see as the season goes on. Him and Giannis are going to be interchangeable a lot of the time, so it doesn't really concern me. If only there was some sort of coach available who was really good at teaching big men how to do big men things that the Bucks could hire and bring on to their team somehow. Seemingly the, the Celtics have already approached them. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Kevin McHale, if anyone doesn't know. Oh! That, who, did, who did you think, Jordan? Jeff Van Gundy. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that really derailed things. That, that was not the first time, Jordan. I remember when Ty used to the one to derail things. but I No, you know who I am? I'm Dwight Howard. I'm OJ oh, Mayo. Okay. I'm, I'm the guy who used to be the, the, the problems one. And I had to evolve into the, the one who tries to keep order. And I follow on purpose. I'm definitely OJ Mayo. Yeah, you're not Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard was just a reach too far there. Yeah. Um, I don't think, you, I'll be I think your early career was quite as prolific as Dwight's. Uh, OJ Mayo, this is just uh, real quick. He signaled his return to action for the Bucks by posting a picture of a real buck on Instagram with no caption. That's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. OJ Mayo is awesome. That reminds me, and this is the last thing we're going to talk about. Oh. I was asked to come up with some monikers for a Bucks D-League team during that roundtable I mentioned earlier. It's the boy against the Bucks. Not to upset our Sheboygan friend who probably has now given up on the books moving to Sheboygan. The Sheboygan Shebuck for, for, for one reason or another, he's probably given up on that dream. Maybe. Um, I, I, I was happy with some of the names I came up with. They're obviously dependent on location too. What you? I forgot. I read the article. I, I swear I did. What did you come up with again? You did read the article because you complained for the Sheboygan Shebooks not being there. Yeah, exactly. Um, I suggested the Eau Claire Elk. I like that one. I have <laughs> no idea if that's in any way feasible, other than Eau Claire is a big enough place in Wisconsin. Otherwise, I know nothing, but it's all about alliteration and those E's. Even though one does not sound like an E, it does a trick for me. Um, the other one, mm, I don't. The plural doesn't work quite well enough for it to work out, but the Madison Moose. I knew, yeah, I knew you were say. I like that way better. Uh-huh. I can support the Madison Moose. <laughs> why doesn't the, who cares why about not, the plural? Why not the Eau Claire Elk? I mean, I mean so Madison's, like, I don't know. I think the Eau Claire Elk is so D-League. It's like it's like the most D-League sounding name ever. We could do yeah. like the 76ers one and just take out part of the real team name. Give me give me suggestions, though. Give me suggestions. Some... One each. I just want one suggested D-League team moniker each. 
Um, okay, you'd have to put it in the same city. I don't know if this is feasible. The Milwaukee Talkies. I don't think it is feasible after staying in the same city. Is it, doesn't, didn't Toronto get the Toronto suburb? Oh, no? actually. Yeah, I think it's in a suburb, but technically, yeah. Um, oh, no, here we go. Here we go. Because I'd, I'd want Cream it. City something. I said that in the piece, too. If they could do I'll it in Milwaukee. Go on. The Pewaukee Talkies. Different city. The Walkie Talkies. Where is that? Is that, like, nearby? No, yeah, it's, uh, probably like, it's, like, it's like, what, half an hour away or something? Maybe not even. Probably. 20 minutes to half hour away. Uh, this is tough. How about the Cream City Cheeseheads? Ugh. Ew, no. <laughs> no. Man. I just want Cream City. I just want Cream City. I, I do, yeah. The Cream City Heifers. Heifers? That's where you get cream from, my friends. The beautiful old dairy cow. That's D-League, if I ever heard it. Imagine that a big cow D-League. with some big old otters. Oh. The Cream City Heifers. Jordan, come on. Oh, man. Why can't I think? I'm trying to think, like... Well, it's, over, it's going to obviously be a pun, so... Of course it is. Jordan doesn't have fast things, so... Oh, boom! Have, like, oh! Well, no, that's not good. A design <laughs> mock-up. He's going to hire a city. company to do the logo. Hey, I'm, when I go in, I go all in. Yeah. There's a city in Wisconsin called Stephen Point. Stevens Point. Oh my God! Stevens Point. Stevens Point. But the name of their college is called the Stevens Point Pointers. So you would okay. say Stevens Point Three Pointers because that is a basketball term, <laughs> and it's a deer with oh, <laughs> antlers. I'm done. I'm done. It's over. Shut it down. The the no. the, the Stevens the, three pointers coming soon. Appleton, Appleton Antlers. That's it for this week. <laughs> How about, Thanks very much for listening. As, as you're doing the the outro, I started. If you I could keep... subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, check out all our articles on Facebook, Twitter, on our website. Vote in our poll tomorrow. Visit the Johnny O'Brien Tree basketball oh. reference page regularly. Oh. And we'll be back tomorrow. next week. Jordan Today. will still be thinking. He'll be, he'll be talking. Um, Let's go. We'll be here then. Vote in the poll Thanks tomorrow. Thanks very much, guys. Uh, Let's go. Um, Bye.